welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Wirtz, with Billy Joel's pressure fading out in the background. You are listening to episode 137 on November 23, 2023. Uh, oh, 223 is actually nice. Um, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so by going on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate. Episode 2 of the Fun Police uh, podcast series is out. Uh, you can listen to it right now wherever you're listening to this podcast by just typing in Fun Police and rate favorably if you like it. This episode of Fun Police is actually uh, guest hosted by Jarosowski. And I really love what he did with it and uh, his little clip with the trailer for episode two. There's something unique in the American fabric that delivers assembly line after assembly line of prohibitionist fantasy imposed on the body politic. Government's purpose isn't to improve the health and longevity of its citizens. I don't know what its purpose is. Perpetuated by a New York City billionaire with a name as iconic as his wealth. Fun Police, a five-part Consumer Choice Center original podcast. New episodes dropping weekly wherever you get your podcasts. So go on Fun Police uh, in your podcast app and please subscribe, download, um, yeah, spread the word. Uh, you can also go on consumerchoicecenter.org and find the Fun Police campaign page where there is the neo-prohibitionism um, paper, uh, an invitation to an event which will be happening on December 14. Uh, this year in Warsaw, Poland, where the Fun Police mini documentary will be unveiled. And we'll be um, linking to that as well um, as as we go forward. Uh, some of you also noticed that last week I published the episode a bit too early, went out on Tuesday. That was a bit of a scheduling error I did there. Uh, so when I mentioned that the episode of Fun Police was already out, uh, well, yeah, by the time that I thought the episode of Consumer was going to be published. Uh, that's when I thought it was going to be out. But, uh, you know, these kind of technical mistakes, they do happen. I also wanted to announce that this will be the second last episode of the Consumer Podcast before the winter break. So we will have one more episode next week. And then because of travel related to uh, my work, I will not be able to record more podcast uh, episodes. So after... Next week, uh, we will be back in January. In this episode, I have a short conversation with Natalie Voigt. She's a contributor at Young Voices. We're talking about a sudden American reversal on tech and digital trade at the World Trade Organization and what that means for tech policy. And also what I wanted to talk about in this episode is uh, good news in agriculture. Glyphosate was uh, fortunately renewed for another 10 years after the European Council could not find the necessary majority uh, it was kicked back to the European Commission, which now extended, based on scientific advice, the authorization for glyphosate. So that's good news. And also the um, the pesticide reduction law was struck down in the European Parliament. We talked about it many times on the podcast. You can go back and listen to those episodes where we talk about exactly why this is bad. And fortunately, it was struck down and also not kicked back to committee in Brussels. Closed. And it is rejected. Main topic is uh, the Dutch election. 
in our mid-segment here. Uh, the Dutch election, which happened yesterday, so we only have exit polls for now, but uh, even beforehand, there was already uh, thoughts that the nitrogen reduction targets play an issue. Less than 18 million people and more than 116 million livestock like chicken, pig and cattle. The Netherlands is the second largest exporter of agricultural products in the world and half of its land is devoted to agriculture, an agri-food superpower despite its tiny size, which could turn into a problem for emissions, including nitrogen, a chemical element that in high concentrations is dangerous for nature and water quality. Almost all human activities produce it, but in the Netherlands, agriculture is the biggest culprit, responsible for 50% of all nitrogen emissions. Basically, there in the Netherlands there are two big reasons why we have a nitrogen problem. Uh, for, on the first hand, it's, um, is we are a very densely populated area and we have um, the most dense livestock uh, concentration in Europe. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, the Netherlands has taken a rather strict interpretation of the European Habitats Directive, which um, stipulates that for every new kind of activity, um, uh, we have to realize nitrogen reduction elsewhere. The previous government set a goal of halving its emissions by 2030. For this, farmers are required to reduce their nitrogen footprint or sell their properties to the Dutch state, which put in place a voluntary buyout scheme with a budget of 8 billion euros. But for now, it's not been very popular, explains Jan Ari Kurivar, who owns 115 cows on his 90 hectare property in South Holland. He produces 100 million litres of milk per year in an almost 100% organic way. And he believes the government should focus more on boosting innovation rather than reducing the size of farms. Uh, but a lot of farmers are worried because it's not clear for them what they need to do on their farm to meet the demands of the government. I think there are also possibilities to reduce emissions for dairy farmers as well if you can help them with the funding to reduce that with technological innovations. We do not have that type of measurements yet. And the other thing uh, would be that the government helps to uh, make your farm more extensive. So to help, for instance, with the availability of land. This was Euronews reporting. And we do have exit polls. I'm recording this on the night uh, before Thursday. So when you're listening to this, uh, I am, I'm currently recording on uh, the night before. And the exit polling is showing us that, well... Ultimately, agriculture did not play as important of a role, seemingly as the uh, uh, governing party VVD had made immigration an issue that has played right into the hands of Geert Wilders, an anti-immigration politician with the party PVV, the uh, Freedom Party, which seems to have gained the most seats, uh, followed by uh, Green Left and uh, Social Democrats, which uh, ran together in the in the uh, in the selection, which are estimated to get 26 seats, while Gerd Wilders will have 35 seats. Uh, governing VBD only gets to 23, and the newcomer party New Social Contract is getting to 19 seats. A lot of governing parties, well, ultimately all of the governing parties have been punished by the voter. Uh, but the uh, Farmers Party, which I have mentioned a few times on this podcast and other programs, uh, BBB, has not actually gathered as much support as they were initially um, projected in the polls uh, throughout the year. They get to seven seats up from one seat that they previously had. Uh, so now the uh, coalition options seem complicated to say the least. There is no coalition, no straightforward coalition model for a right-wing coalition in the Netherlands, uh, but there might very well be a grand coalition between four parties, uh, Green Left Social Democrat, 
Liberal VVD, Liberal D66 and the new Social Contract Party by Peter Omzicht, who is a very uh, popular politician in the Netherlands, uh, which uh, I assume will mean that uh, Dutch politics, I think, I think this is the most likely coalition option with uh, probably former EU Commissioner Franz Timmermans as Prime Minister. Um, that, to me, seems the most likely, but we'll see how it develops. But in any case, I think in the Netherlands, it will take quite some time to get a new government together. And now my brief conversation, as we were pressed for time, with Natalie Voigt, contributor at Young Voices. So, Natalie Voigt, you had an article in Real Clear Markets titled The Biden Administration Stands Down to WTO Protectionism. And you talk about how uh, countries on the international scale are negotiating about digital uh, uh, trade. Now, for the audience that might not know much about this, let's start off from the top. What are countries actually negotiating here in the World Trade Organization? Yeah, they're negotiating whether to have a fair and open Internet with unfettered access to data or whether to essentially embrace this new wave of digital protectionism. Right. And so um, when it comes to like data protectionism, what does that mean? Is that countries just trying to hold on to data and not share it with others? Yeah. Well, for example, the Chinese Communist Party is trying to steal data. That's why source code protections are very important. And they're trying to steal the data um, in order to advance their own economies at the expense of the U.S. economy. And it also, all these unnecessary barriers to data also create, uh, data restrictions create barriers to business. So it's not just um, being used by our adversaries, but it also hurts small businesses. Right. So if I understand this in practice, if I'm an American company and I want to operate in China, the Chinese mm -hmm. government might require me to store all the data in China, which then gives you possibility for the Chinese government to access it. Or the Chinese Communist Party also wants access to all the other data of that mm -hmm. company, even for U.S. users. Is, 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 would that be correct? Right. right. And they want to use it for nefarious purposes. I mean, they have a long history of stealing and uh, patents and using other countries' data in, in order to advance their own interests. Right. You write in your piece that the U.S. government has now changed position on what it, um, on, on how it argues at the WTO. Explain what was the U.S. arguing previously and how how has that now changed, and also maybe why you think it has changed. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. Uh, has been a strong leader for the uh, for an open and free internet. And this is regardless of party. So during the uh, Trump administration and the Obama administration, the stance, the U.S. stance was always in favor of um, embracing digital trade. And now the supposed reason given by the U.S. trade representative and the Biden administration is that they need to update the rules in order to be able to regulate big tech. So that's that's their apparent reason. So the question is, and of course, which exact policies is the, the U.S. government uh, pursuing that would, according to them, be contradicted by by international trade? Uh, I, I mean, we talked on the podcast previously to other guests about this push against Amazon, uh, where mm -hmm. the FTC is claiming that that, that Amazon is, is behaving in an anti-competitive manner. What can you right. tell us about that? So it seems like the entire administration. So it's not just the FTC. Now it's the USTR, they're holding hands, and the entire administration is aligned in taking down big tech. 
at whatever cost it comes even to U.S. businesses. So that's what I'm getting from this is that everything is about taking them down no matter what. And that concludes this shorter episode of Consumer. Thank you so much for listening. Do subscribe to Fun Police on your podcast platforms uh, and uh, follow the Consumer Choice Center at Consumer Choice. We have reels, we have cool videos and all of our interviews that we do on TV. Please check that out and check us out on all the other social media channels. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Bill Woods, and I'll see you next week. You have to learn to pace yourself. Pressure. You're just like everybody.